You are listening to a podcast from The National. For thousands of years, the Great Arab River sustained some of the world's most important ancient civilizations. The Nile River fueled the development of 3,000 years of pharaonic rule. The Tigris and Euphrates, home of Mesopotamia, were witness to some of the most important developments to mankind, including agriculture and the written word. The three ancient rivers helped spread Islam during Prophet Muhammad's conquests and sustained generations. But today, through policies and global warming, the Nile, Tigris, and Euphrates are all under threat, one way or another. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm Nasr al-Wesmi, and today we look at the Great Arab Rivers under threat from environmental and political factors. Sofia Barbarani is an editor on The National's Foreign Desk. She has written a long-form story on our website with the headline, How the Great Tides of History Turned, looking at the man-made crisis facing the Middle East historic rivers. She joins us today in our Abu Dhabi studio. Thanks for joining us, Sofia. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Can water shortages become the cause of social instability? Yes. And in fact, we very recently saw this happening in the south of Iraq, uh, in Basra. There were months of unrest where um, people in the city of Basra, um, which sits on um, Iraq's largest oil reserve yet, has insufficient um, facilities and and basic services. We saw residents in the city come out and protest um, because there was a lack of a number of services, including uh, water. Um, Now, Basra sits on the uh, confluence of two, uh, well, Iraq's two major rivers, the Euphrates and the Tigris. Um, Yet they have been unable to... um, uh, to irrigate, farmers have been unable to irrigate like they once used to, and potable water is no longer uh, as readily available as it used to be. So, um, especially in the summer, and the protests kicked off in the summer, uh, we saw an uprising um, demanding the government provide them with with water. So, yes, absolutely. Um, to answer your question, um, there has been social unrest as a cause of water mismanagement, as a cause of water scarcity. And, and we definitely saw this this summer, and it's ongoing. This affects all segments of society, but I imagine that farmers are particularly uh, influenced by a water shortage. So what are they saying? about this yeah definitely i mean their livelihood comes from uh from their crops and of course their crops uh can't grow unless they have uh water to irrigate so um our reporter in iraqi kurdistan he spoke to um a farmer in the uh the governorate of Sulaymaniyya, which is in the kurdistan region um and uh, this farmer had been uh, for for well, he spoke about farms uh, that had been there for for centuries and generations um, on the banks of the Little Zab River, which is a river that originates in Iran and uh, connects to the Tigris. So he basically mentioned that in 2017, after one of the big dams on the uh, Iraq-Iran border was built, um, people in his village and in his in the farms around that village, including his, started noticing a decrease in, in the water levels to the point where he said, 
all of my crops died. I didn't know what to do. And every summer, of course, every summer there was, um, you know, a, a decrease in water level, but there was such a severe shortage in the summer of 2017 that all of his crops died, which means that he couldn't sell. And um, this, of course, affected him and his family. And he wasn't the only farmer uh, that this happened to. These two rivers are historically important to Iraq and to Arabs as a whole. And yeah. you could even argue... Uh, humans because uh, they did give birth to to Mes- Mesopotamia which is the first uh, civilization uh, recorded in history today they are under threat dams global warming for a country like Iraq is sustainability even on the agenda given their political and security considerations I would say that sustainability has not been um, or water sustainability has not been a top priority um, in Iraq or the Kurdistan region, particularly over the past four years, given that the country has been battling uh, or was battling um, ISIS. The link between security and water is a strong one, which means that if Baghdad doesn't tackle this problem, they will have further down the line, they will encounter more security issues like they saw in Basra um, last summer. Um, And I think the events in Basra, in a way, were a wake-up call, possibly for Baghdad. Currently, they are still caught up in um, what is their government formation. If the events in Basra continue, we might see a more proactive Baghdad when it comes to sustainability. But as one of the um, the journalists we spoke to um, f- said, uh, water scarcity just is not regarded as a priority. Um, and in fact, a lot of um, a lot of government officials that she spoke to, Kira Walker, she's one of the the writers that I, I cite in my story. She said, when pressed, um, these authorities said that building dams was basically put forward as a solution uh, to future water water sh- shortages. Um, but there was little accountability and little recognition of the severity of the situation. Speaking of dams, the Euphrates and Tigris are actually sourced from Turkey. A lot of smaller rivers feed into it, coming from Iran and uh, at times Syria. In many ways, Iraq isn't in control of their water at all. When Turkey or Iran or a neighboring country decides to build a dam, they can essentially cut the entire country off from their main source of water. How do dams play a part in what's happening in Iraq? And what is the relationship with the neighboring countries? They play a huge part. Um, Granted, it's not the whole story. Um, uh, Climate change also plays a huge part. And like we've already mentioned, water mismanagement, um, sometimes by the farmers themselves. However, dams do play a big part. And like you said, um, Iraq doesn't have much control. They're downstream, particularly Basra, which lies at the very end of both the Euphrates and the Tigris. Um, So what happens is there is a very uh, gray area, which is sort of the legality of of who has... um, uh, ownership over these sources of water. Um, And uh, there's no real... um, 
a way to legally bound a country to not completely deprive another country of water. So ultimately, I think a lot of it is down to uh, friendly relationships. So for example, again, going back to, to Basra, when the worst of the protests were happening and uh, violence was kicking off and Baghdad was getting worried, they asked Turkey um, to please uh, open up uh, one of the doors, I think it was, of the Elisu Dam, uh, which is a huge dam on the on the border with with Turkey, um, and and tensions were really uh, heating up between Baghdad and Ankara. Um, once Turkey did open this door and and uh, more water flowed through, which eased the tensions among residents in Basra, things got better between the the governments as well. So you can see how there is a a link between um, sort of the, the politics of the region as well uh, and the water. Apart from water shortages in nations, uh, what are the other negative effects caused by dam construction? Well, let me give you one example. In Basra, they're seeing a shortage of water because of the Ilisu Dam. However, in Turkey, in southeastern Turkey, um, in a town called Hasankeyf, they are seeing the complete opposite. So the Elisu Dam, the building of this dam, is going to eventually completely submerge this town. Um, it's a historical town. It's it's important archaeologically as well. Um, it was declared a natural conservation area in 1981. So this is this is a, an important town. It's also a beautiful town. Um, and there, the, the result you will see from the building of this dam is a complete submerging of it, a loss of culture, a loss of history. Not only that, but um, the, uh, the residents will be relocated. Um, they're being promised new fancy accommodations in nicer areas. This is an old town, so obviously for some, the thought of going to you know nicer, more modern homes is quite appealing. But some are just completely um, against leaving behind their, uh, their culture and their past. And there are activists who are campaigning um, against this. Dam construction clearly plays a large part in water shortage nations, but so does global warming. If we move away from Iraq and we go to Egypt, Egypt is one of the most populous countries in the Arab world. We have also one of the great rivers, the Nile. Because the Nile does provide one of the main sources of income outside of tourism, is Cairo concerned about overpopulation putting a strain on, on the Nile on these important rivers? I think there's definitely a general concern. I can't tell you if uh, the government is concerned, but they definitely should be. Um, however, researchers and experts have brought this up. And um, basically it's that although Egypt does have one of the lowest per capita shares of water, which is less than 700 cubic meters a person, uh, its population, which at the moment stands at 100 million um, is expected to double in 50 years. And that means that um, shortages of, of water are forecast to be incredibly severe by 2025. Agriculture is one of the main carbon emitters. Old practices are known to be energy intensive, uh, using a lot of water, and there's a lot of waste. In your article, you talk about how farmers in these regions tend to over-irrigate using outdated methods. 
are there education efforts in effect towards to work towards more sustainable irrigation methods? As far as I know, in Iraq um, specifically, there aren't education programs when it comes to uh, sustainable uh, usage of, of water, primarily because uh, they have been dealing with uh, with other problems in the country and not just over the past five years, but over the last decade or more. Um, having said this, governments like Baghdad or like the Kurdistan regional government do need to step up and prioritize water governance and policy. Having said that, experts have said that uh, that governments in like the one in Baghdad or the Kurdistan regional government um, do need to prioritize water governance and policy, uh, that it can no longer be neglected, um, partly or, or primarily actually because water has become such a crucial part of the overall security equation, uh, not just within their country, but also on a more regional level. Sophia, who funds these dams? Is it private or government? They're primarily government funded. So if you look at the one in Ethiopia, um, which is affecting Egypt, that's government funded. They spent $5 billion on that dam, the Ethiopian government. In Turkey, the dams that are being built on the Turkey-Iraq and Turkey-Syria border are part of a, um, of a larger um, scheme um, that President Erdogan is pushing for um, of, of dam constructions. Um, in theory, they're supposed to generate uh, more jobs in that region, which is uh, it's quite a poor region um, and largely neglected because of its Kurdish population. Um, but really, we haven't seen these results as of yet. In answer to your question, they are government funded and government owned. Um, in Ethiopia, the one in, in Turkey, and as well as the one in Iran. What diplomatic measures can a country take, a country like Iraq, towards Turkey or Iran for building dams that affect its rivers? Diplomatically, what a country can do is simply maintain good diplomatic relations with um, their neighboring countries. But I think more importantly is the the legality or, or the legal process or lack whereof um, when it comes to uh, water ownership. Um, so it seems, um, as one of the professors um, I spoke to said, that the the legal proceedings uh, when it comes to water are still very hazy. Um, so what a country like Iraq um, can do is uh, take their grievance to the UN Security Council. Um, the UN Security Council then in turn can take it to the International Criminal Court, the ICJ, um, which can then uh, uh, come to some sort of legal resolution. But again, challenging, it's very challenging to actually uh, implement this. So really, all there is at the moment is a series of, of uh, more than an actual legal side to it. It's a series of treaties. But countries like Turkey aren't part of the major water treaties, which means that actually, ultimately, Baghdad can't really do anything about it. You asked the question in your piece, who's the real culprit in the crisis? Is it climate change or damming? So what would you say? 
I'd say both. Um, I think we've seen a water scarcity both in Iraq and in Egypt as a result of the dams um, that are being built around those countries and as a result of climate change. Um, I also think governments in those countries need to be held accountable for water scarcity um, and not only blame um, climate change or um, other countries damming their rivers. All right. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you. Thanks to Sophia Barbarani. Her in-depth piece on the man-made crisis facing the Middle East's historic rivers is on our website, thenational.ae. Water scarcity in vulnerable parts of the region is just one point of emphasis as the UAE hosts Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week. From how renewables affect oil demand in a region economically dependent on the resource, to energy and species conservation. Sustainability is on the agenda of many countries as they build a future for generations to come. I've been your host, Nasr al Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>